our time of worship this morning. And uh, I think we are extremely blessed by the worship that we get to experience each and every week. And I, I've said this many times before, I, when I'm there in my seat, I think I sound just as good as they do up here. It's usually not the case, but uh, I like to think that. But anyway, I'm just so thankful for our worship team and uh, what the Lord allows us to enjoy each and every week. And so I'm just very thankful for it. And I want to turn in our Bible this, this morning. I want us to turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We've been, uh, this is our second week in this study of when you pray. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about what the Lord wants to show us uh, during that time. Uh, we talk teaches us and instructs us of how to pray. And so uh, I want us to turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, our text this morning, our key verse is uh, where we left off after last week is going to be in verse 10. Uh, the Lord is continuing on this place that he talks about uh, many, even in my Bible, we list it, list it as the model prayer. Uh, many call it the Lord's prayer. Uh, sometimes it's even I've heard it said that it's even better uh, titled the disciples' prayer because the Lord has given instruction to the disciples of how to pray. He gives them, gives us, He gives them a good way, a good instruction, a good model for them to follow of how they should speak to God, to Holy God. Last week in verse nine, uh, Brother Jake had shown us that in this manner, Jesus tells them to pray, "Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name." He talks about the reverence and just the, the personal relationship that we can have with the, with the Father, with Holy God, because of His Son, Jesus Christ, and I'm just very thankful for that. I want to read our text. Uh, it's very short. It says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to pray for us. Lord God, we love you and we praise you. Again, Lord God, we thank you so much for you just meeting with us this morning, Lord God, being here as we just sung praises to you, Lord God, and spoke about your holy name and how you give us these promises, Lord God, through your word, and that we ought to follow them, Lord God. We should just be obedient uh, servants of yours, Lord God, just to say yes and agree and, and, and amen, Lord God, of what you're doing. Also, Lord God, to know that we can have the victory in you, Lord God. We're already fighting uh, not to obtain victory, Lord God, but fighting from already a place of victory. And I pray that our lives would reflect that this morning, Lord God. I pray as we look at this text this morning that you would just not only give me uh, uh, just a fresh anointing of your spirit, Lord God, to speak to your people, but also, Lord God, that you would really, uh, as you speak to your people, Lord God, that that we would all leave this place this morning just changed, closer to you, Lord God, maybe a little stirring in our spirit today, that everything that I say would, uh, would have clarity, Lord God, and your spirit not only would penetrate our hearts from your word, Lord God, but it would change our lives. Again, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so Matthew chapter 6, I want us to just really, really, like I said, settle in on these verses and uh, it, it really blessed my heart this week. We had talked several weeks back about me preaching uh, th this verse. And uh, really, and just throughout the entire week <clears throat> in preparation of it, it's just been a, a real blessing to just look at the scripture, to really examine it, and just see what the Lord has for us. And so just more as I was digging into it, uh, I, I want us to look at a couple of things. Many times... When someone stands up here and preaches, 
we start thinking about our neighbors, we start thinking about what's going on in the world, we start thinking about you know, lunch or whatever, we think about a lot of different things. But I want us to really, you know, I really have kind of two points and they'll be mixed together throughout the whole message. And I'll tell you, uh, I'm going to give them to you right now. I want us to really have a place of it being just really personal. Because I believe the Lord uses this in verse 10 that he gets just really personal with us. And so for you, I want you to take this morning's message very personal to you. I want, to see, I want you to see how it applies to your life. Not the people next to you, but how it applies to your life. And then also, I want us to see this morning of just how when the Lord's talking about earthly and heavenly, just how complete opposite those things are. And so that's the two things I want you to look at this morning for you personally, but also just uh, the Lord showing us of how opposite we are in comparison to him. And so that's what I want us to see today in our, uh, as we look at this text. I want us to even turn the page to Matthew chapter 5. It's probably just one page over from you. But the Lord begins to really set the stage. And he sets the stage in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5 because he gets up there and he, uh, at this point when we get to Matthew chapter 5, Jesus has already started his earthly ministry. He's been baptized by John the Baptist. Satan has already tempted him. And now he's, he's already began to call his disciples and he begins healing people. The multitude begins to follow him. He has this great following you see there in, in uh, chapter 5, uh, verse 1. And it's because of all the things that have led up to this point. And so Jesus has this great multitude of people that are gathered around him. And it's interesting of what Jesus does. And I believe it sets the tone for really everything in Jesus' ministry, but also the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I really believe it shows his personality. And so what he does is, is that instead of speaking to this multitude, he withdraws from it. He goes up into the mountain, the Bible tells us, and then he is seated there and his disciples are seated there with him. And so he really just gathers them together with him, these 12 disciples, and Jesus begins to teach them. I mean, can you just really imagine as we sit here today and I stand up here that you get to hear me speak? Now, hopefully, you'll get to hear the Spirit of God speak through me. That's the most important thing this morning. But could you imagine the Lord Jesus Christ himself standing here with us? And maybe you were one of 12 that Jesus was there with, and he begins to just teach you. He begins to instruct you. So these 12 disciples are really at a place of unbelievable blessing, and they're just very fortunate to be in that situation. So Jesus withdraws from the crowd. But I think we'll see not only in this verse, but we'll also see uh, really throughout the whole gospel. You see Jesus doing things that are just so un uh, just not uh, uh, ordinary. Jesus is doing something, like I said, you, anybody would want to speak to a multitude of people, especially if you had something to say, versus just 12. And so Jesus, he, he withdraws himself, he goes up into the mountain, he brings his disciples, they come as Jesus is seated there, and he begins to teach them. What a, just a great scene. In verse 3, Jesus really begins to teach, and we know these as the Beatitudes, where he starts telling them, blessed are the poor in spirit. So Jesus starts off with this great sermon, and you know Jesus is going to be the, the best preacher. Jesus, Jesus knows what to say and how to say it uh, in the right ways. And so Jesus starts off by making something very clear. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
He says, you understand kingdoms, you understand earthly kingdoms where we want to self-promote ourselves. We, we want to rise up in ranks. And he says, you know what? What I'm telling you in the kingdom of heaven, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He's not talking about people that are always like, I always think about my kids as we went on vacation and back. They watched Winnie the Pooh a couple times. And oh, Eeyore, you all know the character Eeyore on Winnie the Pooh. Everything was wrong with him. I'm not talking about that poor in spirit. I mean, he thought, I mean, surely it was going to happen to him. I mean, nothing good could ever happen to him. He's not talking about, Jesus is not talking about in verse 3 to go around in this place of just, oh, poor, pitiful me. But he's talking about understanding of how to put people first, of how to be selfless in the, in the ways of the Lord. And so Jesus, and that's how he starts off in his conversation with him, how to do those things. And this is the same Jesus that later on is going to pull up the, the uh, pull up at the table of his disciples and begin to wash their feet. He knows that he is greater than all of those things, but yet the Lord's going to humble himself in such a way that he would wash another man's feet. The Bible tells us even the fact that he came down on this earth that he even humbled himself. To put on the flesh of man for someone as great and powerful as God, that is the nature of who we're talking about this morning. Someone to come in a lowly state and to be, he says, blessed are the people like this. Blessed are the people who are poor in spirit. He says, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And for us, we understand our earthly kingdom. We understand the things that make sense to us, the things that uh, our society has taught us, the things that are maybe even our parents have taught us about understanding about no one is looking out for us, that we need to look out for ourselves. But the Bible is telling us here, Jesus is telling us that we need to be a people of lowly spirit. So he continues on. He speaks to these 12, 12 disciples instead of the multitude. But I want us to understand that the Lord knows what he's doing. In this place of opposite, as I was telling you a while ago, he knows what he's doing and we don't. And we could sit here for a while and really just examine ourselves and really get honest with, with ourselves. Because as we go through life and we just go through our, our day, and I'm talking about me. I really, as I was preparing for this, I kept on saying, Yep, that's me. That's me. I want to tell the congregation, listen, I'm not preaching at you. I'm really preaching to me. Where if I would really examine myself and, and I would look at the way I go about my everyday life and I get up in the morning and I get in my truck and I go to work or, or if I, yesterday we, we got up, we did some things at the house and, uh, and we ended up going uh, to a birthday party. We ended up going to Lake Charles and came back later on in the afternoon. Did I, did I stop? Did I examine myself? Did I understand what the Lord was wanting to accomplish that day? Or did I just go about in my own way doing what I thought was right in my own eyes? And you know, one of the saddest verses in all of the Bible is in the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, uh, you know, you see great things happen in the book of Joshua. I mean, I mean, walls are falling down. They're crossing over the Jordan River. They're walking on dry land. In the next book, in the book of Judges, the Bible says there was no king in that day, so the people did what was right in their own eyes. It says it twice in, the, in, in that book. And it's one of the, it's the most saddest verses in all the scripture because they were in a mess. We don't know what to do. He does. And as Isaiah 55 verse 9, if you were to write, that, write this verse down, go back and reference it for the Bible tells us in, in the book of Isaiah, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, the Lord says, so are my ways higher than your ways. And he says, my thoughts 
than your thoughts. He said, it doesn't even, it doesn't even compare. It's night and day difference. It's heaven and earth difference as far as my thoughts to your thoughts. My ways are greater than your ways. And that is the difference between this heaven and earth as the Lord is speaking here. His ways are perfect. Many times we think that we are right. And many times we look at ourselves as self-righteous and I constantly, Jesus is not dealing with whenever he has all the troubles, He's not dealing with the, the, with the government of that day. Who is he dealing with? He's dealing with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all these other religious leaders who thought they had it right. When we look at the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul before he was converted, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, he's tell, he tells us. He had done everything right. He thought he had it all together. He was very self-righteous, but, and he really believed with all sincerity that he was right, yet he was wrong. They thought they had it all together. And listen, the only way that we can have it all together is through the spirit of the Lord, again, which is opposite than our spirit. And as we get even closer to our text this morning, and in Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, the Lord continues on this place of, of, like I said, just completely opposite than of who we are. And he says, whoever compels you, this is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 41. He says, whoever compels you to go one mile, Go with him number. Go with him the second mile. That's just the kind of the person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and who we are. We're saying as we say we have a relationship with God. Many of us in this room say we have trusted the Lord with our with our with our lives, and we say, you know what, we're trying to be more and more like Him. And so every time He says you're compelled to go one mile, you go two. I have learned. I have learned. Because, you know, I, and this is just for me and my experience. I'll go the first mile. I'll do something for somebody. And, say, and I'll say, you know what? I'm going to go that second mile. I'll think about this verse. And you would think, you know what? The Lord's probably going to just help me along the way, make that second mile a lot easier since Garen's already given that initial step to go. And many times it's even more difficult than that first mile. And if you, or is any of you a runner, I'm not a runner, as you can tell, that second mile becomes a lot harder than that first mile. And so there's the same thing in life, but Jesus tells us, he says, when you're compelled to go to that first mile, go to the second mile. That's the kind of people that we are to be. And he continues on, uh, not only in verse 41, but also down in verse 44. And I wrote this in my notes that, you know what, this is, I said, you know, this is me preaching to myself this morning. You're just listening in. This is even more so for me. Verse 44, he says, he tells us, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And you know what? That's difficult. That's difficult. That's, that's you know, in a lot of ways for us in, earthly, in our earthly mind, it's impossible. And the only way that we can work through these things, the only way that we can be a people that has this kind of mindset is to be like the Lord Jesus. Now, I haven't found this so much outside in the world. The world a lot of times treats me good. Where I found this more so is a lot of time in the church. And so for, for me, I've got to remember, you know what? Those are not necessarily my enemies. The enemy is my enemy. The enemy, Satan himself, is the one that's coming against me. And many times I'm playing into that enemy when I'm going and doing my own thing. But he says, the Lord's telling us it's bigger than that. 
It's a spiritual battle that I have to be the person that God wants me to be, that I need to lift them up. Understand that even Jesus, whenever he was on the cross and he's being persecuted by them, the Lord looks down at them in compassion and says, Lord, forgive them. Why? Because they really don't have the spiritual mind. They do not know what they are doing. And for us, we say we have the spiritual mind. And so even when people hate us and despitefully use us and do all these things against us, the Lord is telling us they don't understand but they're earthly and you should be spiritually and your, your residence is not here on this ground in De Quincey, Louisiana, but your residence should be in heaven and you should be able to see better of the things that are going on than the, than the natural man that's right here on this earth. And so he tells us this is the kind of mindset that Jesus has in verse 46, continuing on. He says, but if you love those who love you, what then is your reward? My parents I'll tell you what, I'm very thankful for my parents. I'm thankful for godly parents. And I'm thankful also for parents that just love you. And a lot of times, many, I'd say unconditionally love you. And I'm just very thankful for that. There's a lot of dumb things that I have done in my life. And I know that, you know, my parents have always been in my corner. They've given me instruction. They've done all these things. And I am very thankful for those kind of parents. But you know what? That is what you do right? That's what you do. I mean, when you have your children, they could step out of line, but guess what? You want them to come home for Thanksgiving dinner. You want them to come home on a weeknight to eat supper at your house. You want that because of the love that you have for them. And he tells them, what is that reward? That's what you ought to do. But the Lord's telling them here in verse 46, he's instructing us, listen, even he says in the, uh, the last part of verse 46, do not even the tax collectors do the same. The reason is in this day, we understand the tax collectors were the lowest of the low. Lowest of the low because they were cheating people. It was just the, the way the system worked at that particular time. And so they looked at these people as dogs. And he says, you know what? If you love those people, if you love the people you're supposed to love, even the, even the tax collectors, even the lowest of the low do that. But it's the people, he says, who do not love you. He says, that is what the kingdom of heaven is all about. Let's now moving on to verse uh, chapter six, and we're getting back closer to our, our text this morning. Brother Jake, forgive me, okay? All right. He talks about charitable deeds. He just goes in, and this is the Lord just preaching and preaching, and he's getting to this place where he's going to talk about how we are to speak to the Father and, and how we are to communicate to him. In chapter six, and the, and the first few verses, he starts talking about charitable deeds. And he says, listen, he, he's telling us we should have this mindset of, you know what, be in a place that you can just freely give, that you can just do for others. Don't, don't know what the, the, the right hand knows what the left hand is doing and vice versa. He's like, you know what, you need to be compassionately loving people. And he says, you know what, that is what you ought to do. And he continues on and he says, don't be like the hypocrites. He says, don't be like them. He says, they go around and they'll do so-called charitable deed and they'll sound the trumpet. They want everybody to know what they have done. You know, some of our, some, I won't give you an example this morning, right? But anyway, some of my many blessings that I have had is things that I have done in complete secret that no one has known about it. Whether it was to give to somebody or to help somebody, those are things that are very dear to whether my heart, I think about something that me and my family was able to experience uh, this past year and, and, and to, to bless someone that could, and this is a big key, it's to someone that cannot do anything else to bless me back in return. 
and that the Lord will see those things and the Lord will work in that place. And that's what the Lord tells us in chapter six, verse four. He says, do a charitable deed and let it be done in secret. You're going to hear that word secret the rest of this message. Let it be done in secret because guess what? Boy, it's so key. I hope we understand this in this second part of verse four. And your father who sees in secret. I hope we got that. He sees in secret. He sees in those places that no one else sees. That's where your integrity is. That's where, that's where your prayer life is. And he says that's where he sees those things in secret. And what does he do? He rewards you openly. Many times, just like he's, Jesus compares it to the hypocrites, and he says they want to sound the alarm. They want everybody to know about it. And what does he tell them? He says they have their reward. But for you, you're going to encourage, you're going to bless others, even when nobody knows it. And he goes, let the Lord bless you openly. In other words, and I said this to you at the beginning, it's opposite. It's opposite of the earthly mindset that we have versus the heavenly mindset of doing it is just completely backwards. Everyone today that has a voice, if you've noticed, think that they are right. Everyone that has a voice thinks that they are right. I think that I'm right all the time, and Lisa reminds me that I'm not, right? But the things that I say this morning, if the reason I stand here even with passion and to speak to us is because I'm trying to proclaim what God said and not twist up God's verses, not twist up God's words, but just speak truly of what the Lord is saying to us this morning. But everybody that has a voice today thinks that they are right. And like I said to you a while ago about the Apostle Paul, he believed that he was right. The Lord said to do these things for us, do these things right, and do it in secret. And I believe the biggest problem with us today, me, okay? I said we in my notes and in parentheses, I said I, because I want us to get that point across. For I want you to understand that about me that we don't trust the Lord. The place in the secret is not yelling it from the rooftop many times. And the way we feel like the only way that we can really be heard and change things is to yell it from the rooftop. And the Lord tells us that he's in the secret place. But we're not trusting in the Lord. And I put in here, like I said in my notes, I, I don't have trust in the Father and he is a person who seek, sees in secret. Wrote down a few things too. So we are trusting, we are trying to figure out God and we'll skip a step. We'll get ahead of God because we're trying to figure him out and then we end up getting ourselves in a mess. There's examples of Abraham in the Old Testament. There's examples of so many people throughout the entire Bible of how they got ahead of God and got themselves in a mess. We don't believe in, we don't believe in prayer this morning. We don't believe in what God can do when we just pray and ask him for those things. We believe in our ability. We believe in our social media platform. We believe in the pulpit platform. We believe in our circle of influence. We're not trusting what the Lord can do. And he tells us very clearly, secret and blessing. And really and truly, we're missing out. And I relate this to my kids. I don't want to go into too much detail and embarrass them. But you know what? When you're doing right, and you're doing what the Father has asked you to do, you want to bless those. It's whenever, hey, if, if I do this and do this, you know, will you do this for me? And just all these negotiations that we have with children to uh, parents, 
but what we have with God is it's ridiculous. God has already instructed us. He's already told us how he wants us to act, how he wants us to go about doing these things. And he wants us to do them and allow him to bless us. The father, I believe, wants to bless us. Let's move on to verse five as we're getting really close to back to our text. It says, when you pray in verse five, it says, do not be like the hypocrites because they love to stand in the open synagogues and the corner of the streets so that they may be seen by men. Surely I say to you that they have their reward. And in verse six, he tells us, but you, he goes from the, from a kind of a negative sense of the way he's uh, say what not to do, but now into the positive. He says, I want you, when you pray, go into a room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. He says it again. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Again, that is a place of sincere trust. You are relying solely on the Lord to work these things out. He tells us, he continues on, he says, don't, don't be like the heathens do and use repetition. Don't just go in there and just mumble a bunch of words because it's not about words. I've seen people who, who have, don't even know what to say and just are crying and weeping and just the Lord sees that person's heart and knows exactly what is bringing them to that place of tears. And the Lord hears them and knows them. The Bible tells us here that he says, he already knows what we need for need even before we ask. It is just a place to bring us for us to show that we have that kind of trust in God. He already knows what we need even before we go to him in prayer. He just wants us to come as humble servants to the Lord and just say, Lord, show me. Show me. In verse 10, when he gets to that place, he says, he says, pray to the Father, and he says, pray to him and say, your kingdom come. Not my kingdom, not the things that I'm trying to establish, but Lord, your kingdom come. I, I want more of heaven down here than of earth trying to look like heaven. It's not that way. We are trying to get us as believers. The Bible tells us that we are, we're still here on the earth. We're the carriers of the Holy Spirit. We are the ones that keep the restraint of this world from getting more out of, out of just crazy and getting, getting more out of whack than what it already is. And it's because of the restraint of the Holy Spirit. And we're the ones carrying the Holy Spirit with us each and every day. And so he's telling us, he says, pray in this way that pray about his kingdom to come that God's will would be done. That is the difference between us as, as just mankind is that we have a will and we want to go and do our own thing when God is telling us you need to be looking and doing God's will. And so he tells us that in verse 10. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He gives us this as a place of examination. What does our prayer life look like? What are we praying for? Are we asking God to get on board for all the things that we're doing? Or are we signing the dotted line at the bottom and saying, God, here's my name. Here's your servant, Garen, reporting for duty, and you fill in the blank. And God, whatever you put on there, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to ask you. You're going to reveal these things to me, Lord, and yes, and amen. Or is it me trying to twist the arm of God and saying, God, please see these things my way? 
And I pray as we see this verse this morning that we see that he tells us we should be praying your kingdom come, your will be done, just as it is already happening in heaven and on this wicked and ungodly earth, may we get a little bit of heaven here on this earth. And that's what he's showing and instructing us this morning in these verses. And I want to give us a a couple quick things, examples, as I got, I'm going to time myself, I got about five minutes. The Lord tells us in, just real quick, I'm going to spit these out. I I want us to see these things this morning before we dismiss. In Matthew 7, verse 21, the Lord tells us, That when we enter, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's Matthew 7, 21. Matthew 13, the Lord just, he does, it's throughout the whole entire, especially the book of Matthew, but Matthew 13, 31 and 32, it says, and another, another parable he has put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in the field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. We know the story about the mustard seed and having the faith, but he tell, tells us here in this parable that the mustard seed is the smallest of all the, all the seeds, and yet when it is grown, verse 32, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, and then that and not only it's such a large tree from something so small, the Lord tells us, you've heard it many times in the book of Matthew tells us that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's because it's that kind of attitude. The Lord will take something that doesn't make any sense and he'll make it great because the Lord was in it. And he says, now trees, birds of the air actually come and even nest on it. It's actually productive. It's useful to other people. And so the Lord, like I said, just gives us example after example. And I don't know what your secret place is. But I want you to know this morning in secret places. Honestly, I did this late last night. There's a, I don't know how many examples that we could see in the Bible. I don't know how many examples we could really see. But there were some that was really just coming at me that I wanted to jot down. Secret places that the Lord found. Interesting places. Interesting places that the Lord saw these people, heard them in their cry. And God did marvelous things through their life. Genesis, Genesis chapter 4, God hears Abel's blood crying from the ground because something wrong was done to him. He wasn't able to plead his case, but God heard him. Genesis 21, God heard Ishmael, the son that Abraham had whenever he tried figuring out God. He didn't hear the mama. He didn't hear Abraham. He didn't hear Sarah in that moment, but he heard the young boy under a shrub in their wilderness He hears the boy's cry, he tells Abraham. Genesis 29, he heard Leah, unloved by her her husband, in the bedroom. Genesis 41, he heard Joseph in a prison cell. Exodus 2, he heard Israel's groanings under Egypt's bondage. Joshua chapter 3, he heard Joshua by the Jordan River. Joshua woke up early that morning. He went by, uh, by that shore of the Jordan River and he cried out to God and God gave him the plan how he was going to cross that Jordan River. Ruth chapter 1. He heard Naomi when she returned home empty, the Bible says. Her husband died. Her two sons died. 
Her daughter-in-law left to go back home, and she comes back to Jerusalem with just Ruth, and uh, the Lord heard her cry. Great stories to go back and look at. First Samuel chapter 1, he heard Hannah. Hannah comes to church. She's praying. The priest thought she was drunk at church. Some of you felt that way sometimes, right? No, I'm joking. He heard Hannah when the priest thought she was drunk at church. 1 Samuel 17, he heard David in the shadow of the giant. 1 Kings chapter 3, he heard Solomon in his dream, in Solomon's dream, asking for wisdom. 1 Kings 17, he hears Elijah. Elijah prays and asks God to bring a drought. He hears him again when he asks him to bring rain. He even hears him again when he's running from old Jezebel and he's hiding under a broom tree. Nehemiah chapter 1, he heard Nehemiah when he asked to return to his homeland of Jerusalem so that he could rebuild the walls when he was in a foreign country. Esther, if you ever get a chance to read the story of Esther, it's unbelievable. He heard Mordecai. Mordecai had heard all the things that were being done. He sits there in sackcloth and ashes. He tears his clothes off. He sits in that sackcloth sackcloth and ashes, and he cries out. The Bible says, bitterly cries out to God. And God heard him in that place. If you ever read that story of Haman, how Haman did so much wickedness towards Mordecai that the king was going to take the life of Mordecai, and it ends up turning back on Haman. Unbelievable, beautiful story of how the Lord does these things for us. Daniel chapter 3, he heard the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. Daniel chapter 6, he hears Daniel in the lion's den. Hosea chapter 1, he heard Hosea every time his wife, the harlot, every time she left him. If you ever get a chance to read that book, book of Hosea, it's a beautiful picture of how God is involved with us and we leave him constantly and stray and the Lord comes after us. And it's a picture of us as being that harlot just as she was. Jonah chapter 2, we see Jonah when God hears him in, that, in the belly of that fish. We don't believe in prayer this morning and I pray that we would. I pray as we leave this morning that we examine our lives and we would see that God wants to speak to us, that God really wants to do a work in our lives. And I'm going to give us an example in the New Testament of Acts chapter 12. I'm going to give us one example. Peter was in prison. It tells us in Acts chapter 2 that James, the brother of John, was killed by Herod. Herod puts Peter in prison after this. And Peter is there. He's asleep in prison. He's bound by chains. And there is a group of people in verse 12 of chapter 12 of the book of Acts that are there. The church is gathered together and they're praying. And when Peter shows up to knock on the door because their prayer was answered, Peter's released out of prison. He's able to escape and he gets to their door where they're praying. The first person sees it and she takes off running. The next person hears him, goes and opens the door and believes that it's Peter's ghost 
that don't believe that their prayers could be heard and answered. I pray that we be a people, no matter what we're going through in society, no matter what we're going through in this world, but even deeper than that, no matter what you are personally going through, whatever hits home with you, that you can pray, that you can ask the Lord, and that he would hear your prayer. The Lord's going to finish this up of this prayer at the end of Matthew chapter 7. And we've all heard this. Many of us have sung the song in children's church that I'm going to build my house upon the rock and not of the sand. And he finishes off after saying this prayer here and continuing on in his sermon that he said is the one who built his house upon the rock. And I pray this morning that our foundation would be solid upon the, on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that we would trust him. I pray that we would really, truly rely on him this morning and that we would be able to know that we can call out to him in a place of prayer. Brother Jake said it so clearly last week. It is communication with holy God that we can go to the creator of the universe, holy God himself, and call him Father. And to know we can go to a secret place and our Father hears us and that he wants to reward us openly. I pray we'd be in that place of trust this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you so much, Lord God, for who you are. Thank you, Lord God, for being the, not only the creator of the world and how you spoke this world into existence, of how you divided the waters, Lord God, and put land there how you created mankind, how you've done all of these great and marvelous things as calling Abraham to make a great nation out of him, how you've taken your son Jesus, Lord God, and you have sent him to die for the world, for the sins of the world. And because of that, Lord God, you've allowed us to have this place that we could ask you for forgiveness of our sins. We could ask you, Lord God, for a relationship with you because of what your son has done for us on the cross. And now we can step into this place, Lord God, where we could call you our father. And we can call you th this place of father and this relationship that we can now have with you, Lord God, not to do our will, but to do your will. And I pray, Lord God, in doing your will that we would find this place of trust, we would find this place of really being dependent upon you for not only for today, but also in the middle of the week or the middle of our troubles, before we get into troubles, before we get into our week, that we would acknowledge you, that we would go to you, that we would pray to you, that we would seek you, Lord God. It doesn't have to be from the mountaintops, but in our secret places, Lord God, to be in this place of trust. We love you and we praise you this morning, Lord God. I pray this has been a time of examination in our own lives to see where we fall short, but to get up and to do the things that you want us to do moving forward. Again, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.